Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. The adventure has begun. The Safari Jeep has left the home base. We're out in the wild. We're in the field. About ready to tackle some marketing myths. I can't wait to introduce my guest today. This has been one of those calls where when you get busy people, you get busy hosts, man, we've been trying to align our schedules for so long. And it's finally happening. I feel like it, you know, it's one of those events that you've been waiting to happen. And now it's here. And you don't know what to do with yourself. So you're really excited. So who is this person, Casey? Tell me who is this guest you're going to be chatting with today? Well, he's a seasoned marketing leader meaning he has been through it all. I can't wait to learn from him, a marketing leader and thought leader, but he's all about the revenue, right? Revenue marketing, but he blends this. It's a very cool approach where he's intentionally blending strategy and analytics. That's the magic right there. VP of growth marketing at Commvault, Avi Batnagar. Welcome, sir. Thanks, Casey. Excited to be here today. Yeah, yeah, we're doing this, man. We're doing this. So, I'm going to pass you this thing. It's heavy, but I can tell you work out. One second. Here it is. <laughs> okay. I got it. <laughs> here you go. Thor's hammer. Grab that thing. Got it. Got it in my hand and have it got secure it? here. Oh, there you go. Okay. Take Thor's hammer. Smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to do that. And today uh, I want to have uh, uh, the, the myths around product-led growth. And uh, I actually have five PLG myths that I want to debunk, um, starting with PLG is, is not necessarily meant for the enterprise. Well, companies like Atlassian, uh, Twilio, AWS, Snowflake, all have proven that they have cross-functional teams that work in tandem and are able to convert enterprise deals through the adoption of PLG principles. Number two, PLG is... Whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> Partner-led growth, not meant for the enterprise. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Why do people think that? I think it's... You completely smashed it. Yeah, I think it uh, really comes from the motion that uh, PLG is a, a self-service motion for the SMB in the mid-market, um, where you're thinking about you know velocity and fast transactions. Um, and, and And that's definitely true. But then there's also the opportunity for the larger enterprises to be able to think about um, having the ability to work in tandem and having inclusivity between cross-functional teams to think about um, having the, um, the PLG motion start with a, an individual, but then be able to expand into additional folks within an active buying committee. Right, right. Cool. Now, and I don't know if I just said it as partner-led, but we're talking product-led growth, right? Product-led growth, exactly. All right. All right. I got to make sure I got the P figured out here. We're also not talking like Play-Doh led growth. This is all about <laughs> the product, the product first. Okay. Smash. It is for the enterprise. It isn't just for SMB. What else we got? Um, the second uh, PLG is the responsibility of just the product team, right? You think P for product and it's just for product teams. But in, in reality, in order for PLG to be successful, it requires full alignment across uh, an executive uh, motion, as well as functional teams across sales, marketing, customer success, pricing, and even operations. Everybody can't just be in a silo. 
have you have you seen that? Have you seen organizations where, you know, it, and I don't know if this is the response. First, have you seen it? And then two, who was who was responsible for making it so siloed? Was product trying to just own the whole thing, or were people just like, well, that's a product thing? What have you seen? I think it's um, it's one of those common things where companies, enterprise companies, especially. Um, start understanding about the the product led growth motion, and obviously there's a lot of hype, and you know they want to be able to understand how to be able to think product led growth, and therefore uh, they start working in an incubator environment in silos where one functional team, like a product or an engineering team, may be kind of the pioneers of uh, of of starting the motion without necessarily thinking about an entire PLG motion across other functions that would uh, need to be involved early and often. Yeah, it's, a, it's that, it's the focus on the now, not realizing that you need to get everyone involved for this thing to have legs, for it to, for it to last beyond one cycle. You, you gotta get everyone involved. Curious, have you seen, who, who gives the most resistance to a PLG motion? Are there any particular departments that have the hardest time understanding that really they're involved too. It's not just a product thing. I would um, say it's kind of, um, you know, one of those things that it, it just requires to be more of a, a company wide uh, and a top down plan. Right. Um, when, you know, and when, when companies have the ability to think of a, a, a company wide motion and understanding the starting points and, you know, setting up a vision, I think that those are kind of critical components when you want to be able to influence culture, when you want to be able to define success criteria and build allies across the organizations, that can help reduce some of that friction from the get-go to ensure that you know everyone's on the same page, everyone understands the value of PLG, and everyone can buy into that motion uh, as a as a top-down uh, plan. In top-down, I mean, is it almost table stakes then that the CEO has to lead this as an effort for the whole organization, or? Who leads this? Absolutely, absolutely. It starts okay. it starts from the you know the, the executive teams and and having them in, understand the the value that the PLG uh, program and motion can bring to their to their company. And it's more than just you know around product. It's more about revenue and how to be able to have monetize your product in a way that could uh, that could lead to you know um, more and more you know um, cross sell, upsell, land and expand. Dude, love this. Avi, you're on a roll. We got five PLG myths. Smash two. Take that hammer. Smash number three. So we talked about uh, the responsibility of the product. So PLG companies don't need a sales team. Absolutely, absolutely required. 96% of PLG companies have a sales team, according to OpenView Partners uh, report. PLG and sales are complementary and additive as it increases sales team's bandwidth to pursue more and more large deals and accelerate uh, deal cycles. How does it do that? That's really interesting. I hadn't heard, heard that before. So if you think about um, a PLG motion, right? So say you have a, um, a free trial or a freemium product of some kind. Typically, SaaS companies have a trial motion, a uh, 30-day trial. And then you know software companies may have some kind of a freemium model, right? But nonetheless, mm, you have right. someone that comes in from, a, uh, from your trial uh, typically an admin or a user of the product. And they see, you know, they start going into the product, they activate their trial and they start looking at the fe uh, features and functionalities. 
Um, and then they want to invite, you know, their, uh, their boss or other folks within their organization where they have the ability to show them, uh, show other folks within their business unit or within their teams, what they're working on and within the trial. Now, when that happens, that basically means you have, you know, two or more people that are now in your trial, which is basically an account. And that's, that's where, you know, having the right, uh, triggers to be able to ensure that sales now knows that there's you know, two or more people from this particular company that are in the product and that are looking at the, the features and functionalities of the trial. So that basically is, a, is an opportunity to have, you know, sales teams to be prepared to, to have the right conversations uh, with those accounts. Okay, sick. Yeah, I, right. It's, when you say it like that, then I can see sales being like, well, okay, cool. I, I could use a little, little more bandwidth, you know? I could be more, I'd love to be more effective with my time yeah. across the team. A yeah, absolutely. Because it's a, you know, um, it's an opportunity for them to think about uh, an account-based motion at that point, right? Um, right. You know, right. So I think that that's where the the need for, for PLG companies to have the right alignment with sales teams, uh, especially at the enterprise level, uh, is is critical and, uh, and a, a baseline. So it's almost like a flow from a PLG to an ABM, not, not to completely throw acronyms out there, but exactly. I see the connection. Yeah, exactly. I've had several conversations with folks about finding the intersection between PLG and ABM. And it starts with, you know, if companies have the right capabilities within their product around instrumentation, where they can have multiple users go into a trial instance, then those are definitely uh, leading indicators that you're, you have a, an account that's highly active in your product and trying your product out now. And so obviously you'd want to be able to think about um, having that into kind of an ABM motion as well. Which comes first, chicken or the egg? PLG or ABM? Uh, it's, a, it's one of those things that could, um, you know, have a, a, uh, a dual kind of role, right? It's, uh, you can have and you know, tr the, the programmatic ABM motions in place where your marketing teams are constantly activating using, you know, air cover motions, um, while in tandem, if you have the ability to have the bottom up motion also, uh, driven through marketing, you can basically be able to find the intersection. Now, which comes first in the chicken and the egg, I would say it's kind of one of those things that just depends on, um, how your product is getting discovered and how you're doing your kind of, um, outbound motions to, to drive that demand gen. That makes sense. In the end, you do need a product. Exactly. So yeah, I, I hear you on the, on the egg, which one the egg is. Uh, okay, sick. So completely smashed. You do need a sales team. <laughs> Everyone, 96% do. And the other 4%, we don't know what they're up to, but <laughs> it's probably not good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What is number four, sir? So, so the fourth one we, so we talked about sales and of course, PLG uh, products need a sales team, need a product team, but then they also need a marketing team. Right, majority of, of, of PLG companies have growth and corporate marketing teams that that drive that customer acquisition and activation component. Um, so that's going to be critical uh, component is that having the marketing arm to support the PLG motion. It's it's funny that we have to have that as a myth, right? It, that that some people would think that maybe you didn't need to have that, just like. Well, I guess most people understand you need the sales. So I don't know if there's stats on that, but it must be a lot lower of the companies 
doing PLG, maybe not successful, they don't have a marketing arm. Like what, where does that come from? What are they doing? I think it, you know, it's, you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't have the stats in terms of, of what that looks like, but it's almost a, we'll just make it up, you know, <laughs> it's almost a must have to have marketing um, right. involved in this part, especially because if you want to drive the, the right level of, uh, you know, top of funnel, um, you know, uh, signups to your product, you want to be able to drive the right level of education around awareness and uh, consideration components that marketing typically does. You do have to have the right alignment. And I think that it, it's more of uh, a myth that maybe sometimes marketing teams may be doing those efforts, but then, you know, engineering and product teams may be doing other efforts that just aren't fully kind of, uh, you know, synergized. And therefore, um, you know, it, it's critical for all of these teams to, to work kind of together in tandem to make sure that it's more of a, a, a top-down motion for, for PLG success. Got it. Anything in particular, like I know you mentioned, you know, the growth marketing, the corporate marketing. What would you say is the, the key factor needed from the marketing side mm -hmm. in order to properly deploy a PLG motion? I think it's, uh, it, it's really thinking about, you know, your not only thinking about top of funnel, uh, you know, driving that demand, but having the ability to do it in a, in a very, you know, uh, targeted way, right? You just don't want to have like a large volume of signups and think marketing's done their job. No, you really want to be right. able to think about driving the, that top of funnel signups from your, from your ideal customer profiles, from your actual peep, the, the people that fit your profile that you want them to understand the value, but not only sign up, but then also activate the product. So in, in right. you know, marketing is, you know, going to be their North star is going to be not only sign us, but they'd also want to think about what's the conversion rate from a sign up to an activation. And, you know, the activation, uh, is a metric around the PQL, which is the product qualified lead. Right. And that's, you know, each company has their own way of measuring a, a PQL. Right. But, um, at the end of the day, you want to be able to think about expanding the top of funnel in, and then increasing in product activation rates and using data driven insights from the product to to really be able to see how your you know your funnel looks like for for the self service motion um, and marketing plays a critical part for that you know it's interesting that it's not enough just to get right get the lead in mm -hmm. get the get the demo get the the free trial sign up you got to use the thing mm -hmm and activation implementation like hey liz here did you know my dad has another podcast it's about podcasts it's called creating the greatest show and it's about the ins and outs of how to make a great podcast so once you're done listening to this episode just search for creating the greatest show on your podcast app and now back to the main event that's such a critical component and i think it goes overlooked a lot and then people often wonder whose bucket does it fall into Marketing is perfectly placed to be able to continue to nurture that relationship. Uh, real quick, though, talk on PQL because I haven't heard that term before. Is that is that a someone who's act actively using the trial? Is that what that stands for? Yeah, exactly. So the PQL uh, product qualified lead is a is the uh, metric that's in you know um, w widely spread across companies that are doing any kind of PLG motions. We we know about the MQL, the marketing qualified lead, the SQL, sales qualified lead, but the PQL. In some ways, companies that have uh, PLG motions are looking at 
their own kind of self-service funnel, meaning, you know, from the top of the funnel or the, the signups in the middle of the funnel are your PQLs, the product qualified leads. And then of course, uh, bottom of the funnel is more the opportunity stages. And when thinking about the PQL, um, you know, you have someone that goes through the process of signing up for a, a trial on, on a website, and then they receive some kind of an email notification, uh, uh, to basically activate their, their, um, their, you know, their trial. And once they go through that motion of, of activations, what are they doing in product? Are they actually logging into the product and looking at the features, um, whether they may be, you know, the functionalities that, you, you know, that you're your trial has to offer? Are they navigating yeah. around? Are they looking at the different consoles? Um, and those are the different types of activities that you'd want to be able to measure. Uh, the more sophisticated you get with the PQL, the more um, scoring that you can do, right? Um, mm -hmm. Some companies may have just like the ability to, you know, when someone activates, that's what they measure as a PQL. But other companies that are more sophisticated and more mature in their in their uh, analytics and, and their product analytics, they can look at all the different touches that are happening within products. So when someone activates, you know, they get a certain score. When they navigate around to different um, uh, portions of the console, they can potentially have different kind of scorings to be able to uh, uh, um, acquire and accrue more points as part of their PQL. Interesting. Um... Would that would that be so? Is it's not just an maybe a threshold. Is it kind of like almost like a lead score where that mm -hmm. that number increases, or do you see it typically used like a yes or no flag, or mm -hmm. how do you tend to see that? I think it it could completely vary in terms of how you have your configurations okay. and set up. But you know, you're absolutely sure. spot on. You can have it as a, a lead scoring mechanism. You can have it into different kinds of tiering models where uh, if they do certain activities, then there's you know. Um, you can create different tiers within those activities uh, completed successfully or not. So those depends completely on how your peak, uh, your PQL setup. Got it. Okay, cool. Super cool. I love that. And I think there's been so much over obsession over the MQL mm -hmm. that it's great to be thinking about the PQL and actively using the tool and look, and there's some great apps out there to help with that. But just understanding, are they, using those critical features and what are those critical features that lead to a successful trial? I mean, trials are dangerous. Like, I don't think people give it enough credit that you, some apps just aren't made or, or they're not intentionally designed with the idea that an unskilled, uneducated user can just get in there and be successful, right? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely where there's, you know, different types of uh, tools that are out there to help understand the analytics within the product, right? What's happening when someone yeah. goes into your product, your trial or your freemium? And what are they, what are they, you know, end users and prospects, what are they actually doing in product? Um, and so to be able to think about the customer behaviors in product can help um, to, to understand like when to have the right conversations uh, and, and engage the sales organizations accordingly. Yeah. And I mean, what a, what a superpower for sales to be aware of what kind of activation is going on, what kind of usage is mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like gold. Of, of course. And if they have those triggers available to them upfront and then they can basically, you know, initiate a conversation based on what the activity that's happening in product, right? Oftentimes, you know, when, especially in the, in the B2B space, when you're dealing with 
decision makers that sit in, you know, IT, they don't want to necessarily hear about uh, bells and whistles. They want to hear about uh, how the product is solving their challenges. And those are the type of conversations that they'd want to be able to, you know, initiate um, so that they can actually see value and become more and more of a champion um, and and really be the um, amplify um, source for, for your product within their organizations. Love it, man. Love it. What's five? Uh, Smash this thing. So PLG companies spend less on sales and marketing due to a uh, lower CAC or customer acquisition cost. But in reality, uh, PLG promises a lower uh, CAC, but successful PLG models require high brand awareness and product placement in the market to, to, to be able to deliver that easy discoverability. So uh, investment, in, in, investment in marketing and sales is needed. Uh, but it, it can lead to the ability to have lower, you know, customer acquisition ca- uh, costs at the end of the day. Hmm. So it, 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 let me, uh, let me challenge you on that. Cause it sounds like people are thinking it's going to lower things, but, but you still need an investment or you need a brand that's just on fire yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I'm- so there needs to be some kind of attraction. Yeah, of course. You want to think about like, you know, when when someone uh, when when a company has their product um, and they're doing kind of the traditional ways of marketing, where they're showing you know uh, white papers and reports and you know display yeah. ads and LinkedIn, etc. That's all great um, and helpful, but it's more air cover. But then when when the when the differentiation is going to happen when you actually show the value of your product upfront to your prospects and your end users. And that doesn't always, you know, that starts with, you know, a trial or a freemium, but it can also start with product demos, interactive experiences that can be built as part of your demand generation efforts. Um, and when you show, show more of the value, plus the ability of what your features and functionalities are to differentiate yourself from your competitors, then it can lead to, you know, eventually faster growth. Uh, and of course, uh, lower, you know, customer acquisition cost at the end of the day. What's your take? Cause I, we've talked a little bit about trial, a little bit about demo. Uh, if, if you had your druthers, if you had your, your choice, do you prefer the, like the freemium trial, the free trial or like a, just a really good demo? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say that, you know, um, depending on the complexity of your product, right? Um, in the B2B SaaS space, we have long sales cycles, complex product offerings, and the time to, you know, convert can be, you know, months, if not sometimes even uh, up to over 12 months or a year. Um, and therefore, um, having the ability to have users uh, visualize as much as possible. Uh, and try it on their own, right? It, it's critical uh, in the world that we live in today. We want to have users to have the ability to, you know, um, plug and play on their own, to be able to see all the uh, bells and whistles that are available on a, you know, in a scaled down version of the product. Um, I think those are beneficial and helpful. Of course, they'd want to be able to see it first and then to be able to try it out on their, on their own to, to get full value. Right. Okay. Fantastic. Do you, do you have a, what, what's the one thing, let's say you're rolling out like these, these mm-hmm. are, this is a compilation of some fantastic myths 
someone rolling out PLG for the first time, mm -hmm. do you have like, what, what's the biggest gotcha? What's the biggest, just the one thing you want people to watch out for? Yeah, I think it's really, you know, when thinking about that top down plan and successfully, you know, deploying a, a company wide PLG impact, um, mm. you know, some of the common challenges for, you know, for to anticipate can be around uh, how you are incubating, right? You want to be able to incubate teams and innovate quickly, right? It's PLG is all about yeah. experimentation. It's like win or learn, right? And um, right. It, you never think about, you know, if you have the ability to have those data-driven um, experiments that you can build to find those quick and early wins, that's how you build um, the, the trust across the organizations. And that's how you can build the, the, the right teams in the right way um, and you know, divide them into kind of pillars around acquisition, activation, and monetization. Um, and that's, you know, that can really help you to be structured in terms of of uh, uh, scaling the, the PLG motion within the company. Beautiful. That you clearly have an expertise and experience in the, in the particular PLG motion. What about it? Uh, what about it makes it one of those go-tos for you? You're, you're brought in to help a company grow. Like it's time to scale. It's time to go big or go home. What about that approach? pushes the other ones out of the way, or at least makes it one of your most important ones? Uh, yeah, I think it's just because of one of those things that's best in class PLG programs have to think about, you know, exceptional product experiences, right? We are always, you know, companies are always talking about customer experience. Customer experience is something that has to be flawless in every single way. And having, you know, those exceptional product experiences are part of customer experiences, well-defined end-to-end customer journeys, um, and being able to understand how users are actually, you know, maximizing the value of a product, right? When someone buys yeah. a SaaS product uh, of any nature, they, you know, one of the metrics that everyone wants to look at is the time to value. How fast are they actually seeing value with your product once they actually purchase? And that's, right. you know, trial can definitely help to accelerate um, time to value. Beautiful. Do you, ha do you have any, like, what is not the play, right? Mm -hmm. what, do, you, do you see anyone, are there any motions in particular that are not the right approach for a company that's in growth mode? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously if, you know, sometimes companies may have uh, standalone tactics uh, for their PLG motions, I think. And then, then they think that they're now doing, you know, a PLG program. I think, you know, really thinking about um, having those critical components um, defined early and often are going to help, you know, be able to build more of a scalable program. Um, I think, uh, you know, having the ability to understand, you know, organizing the teams we talked about, but having an audit and setup of the infrastructure, infrastructure of the tool and the tech stack, right? Because, you know, you have, you may have a trial, but are you, do you have the right level of data analytics? Do you have an experiment, experimentation yeah. framework set up? Do you have like, um, capabilities on, um, automated bill plays or, you know, customer data, uh, management or data warehousing? Those are all kind of critical components as well as you scale up the program and want to think about long-term success. Man, 
where do you like to go to get information? Have there been any books you've been reading lately that you're really, you're on, you know, you're really loving, even if they're fiction or podcasts or any other sources that, that have been kind of intriguing you? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of, you know, buzz around this topic now. Everywhere you are on LinkedIn, you see so much, everyone's talking about it. I think Wes Bush has uh, a, he's a founder of productled.com. Definitely a really great source. Um, there's uh, another person by the name of Hila Shu. Uh, she's an author and advisor for uh, Reforge, and she's always has great, you know, posts and information that's available for last few years for sure, at least ever since I've been following her. Um, there's also a gentleman, Sangram Vajar, uh, who's the CEO of Go-To-Market Partners. He's been talking a lot about PLG Motions as well. So, you know, some great sources that are out there um, and uh, definitely encourage users to, to, to be able to get the right level of education on PLG. That's cool. Yeah, shout out to Sangram. He He's uh he's been on the show a couple of times, you know, schooling us on uh, ABM, and I know now he's he's really on fire with uh, the PLG motion. So yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, and now now you're in that you're in that list. So if anyone else, you know, if they could ask the question, you know, there's four three names plus your name. I think we add to the list on this one. Um, Can't wait. <laughs> killered it. Well, my next question for you is like, who are you? Who are you? How do you know these things? Can you take me back in time? Look. Little obby days that you know you're going to be a marketing leader, thought leader, teaching people about PLG on a podcast one day? Never thought I'd be doing this, but definitely exciting to even think about as we, as we sit here and discuss this topic. Yeah. So a little bit about me, my background, you know, been in the B2B marketing space for 20 plus years, actually started my, you know, my studies were in engineering. Um, so I transitioned into marketing from the inception of my career. I always thought it was cool to, to be able to work in, you know, uh, different types of marketing, uh, functions. So the first half of my career, uh, really came at the large conglomerates, uh, like the Cisco's and Juniper's of the world's in, in various capacities of marketing, uh, primarily around, uh, God, but let me interrupt real quick. So how do you go from engineering nerd to marketing nerd? You know what I'm saying? Like. Because I actually did the same kind of thing. I was computer science and went into marketing. So yeah. tell me about the engineer. Was there a moment in time or was it like an evolution? I think it just kind of happened organically for me um, working, you know, in undergrad and grad programs at, at like different companies in kind of uh, marketing functions and getting that exposure um, just felt that that there's, you know, where you have the ability to have, you know, the the right aptitude, but then use business uh, skills and savviness to be able to uh, excel in, in, in marketing. That was what really excited me from the inception. That's cool. That's cool. No looking back. Huh? You, you, you know, I guess you, you, the product focus allows you to, to still wear some of those hats, right? You're, you're able to bring that engineering expertise and at least the, the, the thought discipline into your marketing. Yes, absolutely. I think um, kind of having that, you know, strategic practitioner mindset where you, you know, roll up your sleeves and be more of a builder. I think that that really helps, um, you know, especially in PLG motions companies, you know, marketing teams that are involved in PLG, you know, oftentimes are focused just on the features and functionalities, but highly encouraged to, uh, to be able to actually try the product for yourself, to be able to create your own trial, to create your own environments. And I think that the more hands-on you become, 
the more uh, passion you build uh, around the around around the product uh, PLG Motion. Amazing. So you're at Commvault now. Mm-hmm. It's all about the growth. Let's let's grow. Let's get people. Tell, tell me what you're up to there. What are you excited about? You know, what made you choose Commvault as that company you wanted to you know carry the flag for? Absolutely. Yes. And um, thinking about the the motion of PLGs is a big part of our of our routes to market. You know, we have inbound motions, which are more traditional demand gen. We have outbound motions through more programmatic ABM. And then we have the self-service motions for using the PLG motions. And really that's that's the exciting component in terms of how to be able to um, align each of these routes to market and motions to in a way that can really uh, impact the bottom line and help grow the business, right? We want marketing to be um, a you know part of have a seat at the revenue table. We want marketing to be able to have an impact towards uh, the pipeline and closed one uh, business that brings that companies are bringing and have you know move away from the motion of marketing being a cost center. Um, and so I think that can help build tremendous value and confidence across uh, across your organization. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Well, my next question for you is a bit of a hypothetical question, but as a fellow tech head and uh, an engineer, I'm sure you'll be just fine with this because you see, I may or may not have a time machine here in New Hampshire, right? It's behind the house in the backyard, covered in a tarp. So <laughs> let's say next time you're back out this way, doing an event in Boston, you know, big world tour. Mm-hmm. Um, you come on up, we get some beer, we get to play with a time machine. But it's a particular kind of time machine where you go back in time and you get to meet yourself a few days after that undergrad degree. And you get a chance to chat with yourself. You can tell yourself anything you want. What would you tell yourself? That's, I uh, love the question. <laughs> and what would I would tell myself um, if I could go back in time um, in terms of how to be able to um, really take initiative and and own it right in in a way that like make meaningful decisions where each experience that you build uh helps you kind of cultivate who you are both personally and professionally i think that um being able to become more and more um well-rounded um and having a mindset of of just being want to be able to take on more being able to have that tenacity i think that that's something that you know, I built in my career as it progressed, something that if I started even earlier, who knows what would have happened. Yeah, who knows, right? But, you know, I obviously the timing works uh, great. But it, I love that question, man, because the, I mean, the advice we give ourselves is probably the advice we can continue to give ourselves. You know, it, it, it continues to be something we can uh, remind ourselves. So that tenacity, mm-hmm. that initiative, I love that. That's so good. Um, Sick, man. So, man, we, we talked about all this PLG thing, but, but I got I to gotta know, how was that trip? How was that vacation? Was, was it Columbia? Yeah. What was it? Oh, yeah. Wow. That was, uh, that was uh, months ago. It was Columbia and Europe. It was months ago. I'm but glad we were, you remember. First time we chatted, you were like, I'm about to go on this trip. I'm like, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. And then, we, you know, we had to reschedule a couple of times. Yeah. So last year when you went to Columbia, how, how was it? Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. Highly recommended. Um, we're in several different cities, um, Carthagena, Medellin, and Bogota, all three different, you know, cities within, uh, uh, within Colombia. 
And uh, wow, it's a really progressive uh, country in terms of where they are and, and, and you know, awesome foods, um, love the, the culture, um, very diversified and progressive in, in, in nature. So definitely highly recommended for anyone that's looking to venture out to South America. You know, I, I love, I love that we're chatting about this because I think certainly for me, you know, you watch, what is it? Narcos or something <laughs> on Netflix. And that's your picture of a whole country yeah. is like that experience. But it sounds like that's not the case at all. We have a beautiful place with some amazing food. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite memory or favorite place you went to? I'd say definitely um, my experience in um, Medellin was awesome. Um, uh, there was a town called Poblado, which is where I was staying. It felt like you were in the U.S., but you were just basically um, around just really nice uh, communities, great restaurants, uh, amazing coffee. <laughs> For those that are coffee connoisseurs, I think that that's a great town to remember. Uh, great, uh, great fond memories in Poblado. On the list, I've just added it to the list. Awesome. So good. Well, hey, like, I don't know if you look, but that we've time warped just now. I don't know if we use the time machine, but but this has been this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on here. I, I'm so glad we were able to reschedule things and get this happening. This is so good. I, I'm in PLG. I feel so much more comfortable and confident that I know the wrong ways to go and at the same time, the right ways to go with that and how to avoid the pitfalls. So I really appreciate you. Thanks, Casey. I really appreciated the conversation today too. Absolutely, man. Where can people connect with you if they want to reach out? They want to connect, you know, some social platforms, websites, combo, all that. Yeah. Where do they go? Um, I'm a big, uh, you know, B2B guy. So I'm, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's my primary, Avi Bhatnagar. Uh, you can do a search for me and hopefully find me there. I'm also on Twitter, yeah. but, you know, LinkedIn is where you, you'd find me most. I love it. Well, those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I've got two pages of notes over here, front and back, share this episode with one person, nine people, 3,000 people. The number doesn't really matter, but get good information to other people's hands. That's thought leadership. Be a thought leader. With that, Avi, thank you so much, sir. You are the man. Thanks, Casey. Nice chatting with you. All right, everyone. This has been another crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.